Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. David says, I want one thing. And what is that? God, to concentrate on you. One thing, God, I want to be in your house. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Just one thing. Your life can get a whole lot simpler if you whittle it down. You heard that word in a minute, have you? Whittle it down to one thing. Not so many things. We're all scattered all over the place. The church, people, Christians. We're all over the place. In ministry, we're serving the Lord. And, oh, you know, you get, you get, you get bored here and you, you're getting involved in that. And then, oh, that's getting old. And then you're getting involved in that. And, oh, that's getting old and getting involved in that. You know, I praise the Lord that God is, is, has helped us over these years just to keep plodding through the word. Verse 7. Chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12. We're starting a new book next week. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Really? There's a health in that. And there is a safety in that. And I've seen them come, I'm going to wait. <laughs> and I've seen them come, and I've seen them go. And when they came, we were chapter one. And when they go, we were chapter one, chapter two. And guess what? When they came back, we were chapter one, chapter two. There's just something very healthy about staying in the Word of God and, and just being about one thing. Are we not about many things? We're people, people ask me even at the potluck, well, Pastor, you know, what's the, I'm new to the church, and what's the church about? Yeah, we're just teaching the Word of God. That's it? Pretty much. I can't really handle much more. I'm really tired. <laughs> Gee whiz. <laughs> Gee whiz, I'm really tired. I mean, I can't handle much more. I mean, what? What? What else is there? What else is there, really? I really don't even know what I would be telling you if I just came to church and just made up sermons and had to think of stuff. I don't know how people do it. I really don't. I, I, I mean, I'm serious. I, I, I have to give them props because... I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't like come up with stuff every week. And what are we going to talk about this week? What are we going to talk about? What are we going to, you know, what are we going to talk about? Oh, faith. Yeah, we'll talk about faith. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next week? Uh, faith. Yeah, that's what. 
And what are we going to talk about next week? Uh, blessings and faith. And I just can't do it. I really honestly enjoy the new stuff in the scriptures. Every time we open, it's like new stuff. Man, this is like a gift, a gift every single week. It's like, whoa, man, look at that. Thank you, Lord. There's another gift of something new. How many of us, every time we walk out of here, we've learned something new? I have that I didn't know. Praise the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to be. Oh, we got to move on. One thing is so important. So important. Nehemiah said, I'm going to lead his work. This great work. How do you see what God has called you to do? How do you see it? Is it a great work to you? Three guys were laying bricks. Same job site. A little boy asked. The first guy, what are you doing? What does it look like? I'm laying bricks. The second guy, what are you doing? I'm building a building. The third guy, what are you doing? I'm building a cathedral where people will come to worship the living God. Perspective. Bricks? I'm bricks. A building? I'm building a cathedral for the living God. For people to come and worship God and love God and worship God. It's all a matter of perspective. Nehemiah said, I believe this great work of one stone upon another to come and talk to you. It's not going to happen. Saints, we need to refocus. Somebody say amen. And we need to be about that thing that God has called us to do and don't let anything distract us from that purpose. Verse 4 tells us, they asked Nehemiah to come down four times and after this, Satan's motto, if at first you don't succeed, try, 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 try again. Nehemiah answered them the same way each time. Nehemiah knew he was involved in a great work, a monumental work. And when the enemy comes with his tactics, he's coming back. Satan's not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you got victory over that. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say, oh, I didn't realize you were so committed. Satan will come back. He'll keep checking back with you. So then what do you do? James 4, 7, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee you. Remember, sometimes God allows the return of the enemy. God allows the repetition of things we struggle with because God uses it to strengthen us. And when God's working, he's always building more than one thing. Point number two, insinuation. We just read it in verse five through nine. Again, and go ahead and peruse it with me in verse five through nine. Again, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. This is the fifth time they seek to distract Nehemiah. So we learn when Satan can't distract with a peace offering, he'll seek to lie and slander your name. In verse 5, it tells us they sent an open letter. So this is what it looks like. A messenger shows up with an open letter. That means it was to be read in the hearing of all the people. In today's language, an open letter would be like a website. Twitter, Facebook, social media which is honestly the worst way of handling something difficult. Email. Somebody say amen. Amen. Calvary Chapel, we talked about it a ton of times. Email, Facebook, Twitter, and all this social media, internet stuff is not the way to handle such bad, uh, tough situations. 
And it's a shame because these tools can be used for good. You can send an email to somebody and just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Text somebody a scripture verse. I'm thinking of you. Encouragement with, you know, uh, Twitter or hit them on Twitter or something like that and use encouragement. Instead, people and Christians are allowing the devil to use them for evil and spreading lies and gossip and copying people just to stir things up. I'm not talking to nobody in this room. I'm just talking, okay? Whatever happened to people talking to each other and, set, and settling things privately? Whatever happened to people obeying the scriptures? If you have an ought against your brother, then go to them. And if he doesn't receive you, then take somebody else and go to them. Whatever happened to us obeying the scriptures and go to them alone, hey, in the spirit of meekness. Whatever happened to this stuff? Nobody talks to each other anymore. Nobody talks to each other. Everything is Facebook, 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 Twitter, 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 all this social. Things get contorted and misunderstood. And if you're not a really good writer, you're going to be misunderstood. Use those things to encourage a brother. Send a sister a scripture uh, or a verse or something like that. But if you have something specific and difficult, are you listening? If you have something specific or difficult that you have to talk to them about, talk to them. Go to them. God help us. I'm asking you to obey the scriptures. I'm not telling you what I think is a good idea. I'm asking you to obey the Bible. The word of God says that's how you handle things. God is into three things. Restoration, reconciliation, and redemption. And if what you're doing and the way you're handling a situation does not have those three things in view, you're doing it wrong. An open letter went out. Nehemiah is just seeking to be the, the, Nehemiah is just seeking to be the king. And these guys are implying that Nehemiah is not doing it for the glory of God. They're saying he's doing it for his own glory. They said, Nehemiah hired prophets to go out and prophesy. Thus says the Lord, Nehemiah is king. In verse 6, look at verse 6. The rumor among the nations is that you are building your own kingdom, essentially, or everybody feels this way. You know, isn't this statement always attached to gossip? Everybody feels this way. Everybody is talking about it. A lot of people are saying, you mean everybody? Everybody? Everybody in all of Apex, all of the triangle, everybody? I don't think everybody. Matter of fact, generally everybody means two. Am I right about it? Everybody's talking about it. Listen, even if thousands of nations were talking about it, it wouldn't make it more true. A popular lie might be more dangerous, but it's not more true. Oh, you need to write that down. A popular lie might be more dangerous, but it's not more true. Notice in verse 8, Nehemiah said that's a lie. You guys are making stuff up. I'm sure that Nehemiah was hot because he worked hard and he sacrificed a lot to do this work. Remember, he was set. He was a king cupbearer in a good position. So Nehemiah leaves his cushy job to go and work hard. He's hot. I'm sure he is. Satan knows your hot button. He knows what will really get you going. 
And Nehemiah said, listen, nothing like that's happening. You're making it up. You're inventing these things from your own heart. In verse 9, Nehemiah doesn't get into the ring and put on the gloves. Nehemiah didn't go on an elaborate defense to try to prove to Sambalot that he's wrong. Because you don't go back and forth with men like Sambalot. Because Sambalot is a fool. And when you argue with a fool, guess what? You become just like him. Uh, you want to do a great Bible study? Do a Bible study on fools. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding you. This is a great Bible study. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but expressing his own opinion. Proverbs 18.6, love this one, a fool's lips enter into arguments and his mouth invites a beating. Don't you love that one? (laughs) Proverbs 14, leave the presence of a fool for there you do not meet the words of knowledge. Proverbs 26, 4, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Nehemiah doesn't answer a fool. He simply says, that's not true. He says, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, please strengthen my hand. Notice in, in verse 10. Afterward, in verse 10, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of that person. And that person was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you, Nehemiah. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, Should a man as I flee, and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And then I perceived that God had not sent him at all. The sermon, because that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. For this reason, he is hired. He was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin so that they might have cause for evil report that they might reproach me. My God, remember Tobiah and Sambalot. According to these words, what did I tell you? According to these works and uh, their works and, and, and the prophetess, uh, Noadiah, whoever she is, Noadiah, the prophetess, that's who she is, and the rest of the prophets, who would have made me afraid. So, verse 15, the wall was finished on the 25th day of September, in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. See, I told you they were haters in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done for our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah, watch this, sent many letters to Tobiah and the letters of Tobiah, uh, letters to Tobiah and the letters of Tobiah came to them for many in Judah were pledged to him. They liked him because he was a son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara and his son, Jehoahim, Jehoahim, I think, had married the daughter of Meshulam. I think I got that one. The son of Berechiah. Also, they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters 
to frighten me. Before you shut your Bibles, our last point, intimidation. Nehemiah came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of Mehetabel, I think is the way you pronounce the name, who was a secret informer. And I love the Bible and I love this story because I think it really could be a good movie. I really do. This story has all the elements of a good movie, a good storyline, action, intrigue, espionage, a secret informer. So this guy, Shemaiah, comes to Nehemiah and says, let's go hide out in the temple and lock the doors because they're coming to kill you. This is serious. Nehemiah gives him a twofold answer. Write it down. Number one, should such a man as I flee? In other words, why would I run from these guys? God has called me to lead, not run away because of danger out of fear. This is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to run and lock yourself behind closed doors and away from people. I know how that feels. Sometimes even in the ministry, it makes you want to lock yourself away behind closed doors. People can't get you there. Somebody once said the ministry would be great if it weren't for people. (laughs) But if God called you to the ministry, then he didn't call you to lock yourself behind closed doors. And when you have an open door here at Calvary Chapel, you guys know we have an open door policy here. I try to encourage the pastors, keep your doors open and don't leave, don't shut them. Because how can you know what's going on in the ministry if you're sitting behind locked doors? And how can you be available in the ministry if you're sitting behind locked doors? You know, Martin Luther did that. He locked himself away in a castle in Germany and then realized the Lord had to be his sustainer. And he walked out of that castle and he wrote, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. A very famous hymn. Martin Luther realized he was safer in God's hands than behind stone walls. Nehemiah said, number one, should, I, should such a man as I flee? And number two, who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? You see, Nehemiah knows that if you went into the temple, you had to be a priest. If you went into the temple and you weren't a priest, you'd be put to death. I'm reminded of Uzziah. He took it upon himself to go into the temple. The priest tried to stop him and he was angry. And when he left, he was smitten with leprosy because he moved into the priestly office. Now look at the enemy. Nehemiah doesn't want to go to the plain of Ono. So the enemy tries to get him into the temple. He tries to get him into things that he hasn't been called to. You see this? Trying to trick him up. In verse 12, Nehemiah says, I perceive God has not sent them. Again, I do think there's an element of discernment here. And I also think that Nehemiah knew the scriptures. When someone says something that doesn't line up with the word, it's not of the Lord. You reject it. Because God is not going to give a word to contradict his word. Write it down. Psalm 138.2. God exalts his word above his name. So we know Tobiah and Sambalot had hired this man to deceive Nehemiah. And I see a direct correlation between the attacks of Nehemiah and Jesus. Notice they said, come down to the plain of Ono. Stay with me. Come down to the plain of Ono. Nehemiah said, no, I'm busy doing a great work. They said to Jesus, come down from the cross. Jesus, in essence, said, no, I'm busy doing a great work of saving the world. They slandered Nehemiah and he didn't defend himself. He spoke truth 
and trusted God. They slandered Jesus, and he didn't defend himself. He spoke truth and trusted God the Father. False prophets offered Nehemiah an easy way. Jesus was offered an easy way out of the cross when Satan told him to bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. In verse 13, I think this verse is very interesting because it says this guy came with a prophecy to make me afraid so that I might sin. Saints, hear me. Fear can be something that causes us to sin. And as a pastor, I've seen it a thousand ways. Well, I've been dating this guy and I really like him and I'm 32 and I'm getting, uh, I'm not getting any younger and this guy wants to be a little more intimate, but I'm afraid if I don't, I'll lose him. Fear can cause you to sin. Well, we got to pay for that and we better pull back on giving. And, and, you know, we're fearful that God won't supply our needs according to his riches. Or if I do everything above board and pay taxes on that income, I'm afraid. Many times we're afraid that God's way won't work out because we don't trust him. The enemy uses fear to cause God's people to sin. Nehemiah says, God, remember my enemies. In the Hebrew language, that reads more like God And I'm not kidding you here. God, think bad stuff about them and think them out of existence and out of my life. Interesting. Nehemiah is saying, God, these guys are trying to get me to transgress your word. They're trying to get me to compromise your word. They're trying to get me to step away from the work you've called me to do. They're trying to interrupt your work. God, the battle is between you and them. So Lord, remember them. And then in verses 15 through 19, the walls are finished in 52 days. The enemies of the Lord saw the work completed, and they had to say it was God. Hmm. Although they didn't like it. What I love here is the work was finished despite the distraction of the enemy. Now, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent letters to Tobiah in verse 17 through 19. And the long of the short of this portion here is that these nobles of Judah had no trouble being friends with a man who was against God's work because he had family ties to the tribe. Interesting. They thought, ne- they thought Tobiah was a great guy. Nehemiah knew differently. So they're looking at Nehemiah saying, why are you picking on him? You ever know somebody is not a great person, but everybody else thinks they're a great person? That's kind of what's going on here. But you know, at the end of the day, when you are vertical before God, the temple is built and you have done what God has called you to do. And you can say, God, I have finished well. Second Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. Saints, listen, look at me. I'm going to leave you with this. I want to be a good finisher. You should want to be a good finisher. There are lots of people who start well, but they don't finish well. We are in a culture of people who are not good finishers. In your marriage, you have to plan, listen, you have to plan to be a good finisher. If you think you're going to have a successful marriage and you don't plan to be a good finisher, it's not going to happen. Good marriages are made. They don't happen. You need to plan to be a good finisher. 
Somebody asked Ruth Graham, what was the hardest thing about marriage? And she said, marriage is so daily. I like that. It's so daily. You know, I want to be a good finisher. I want to get old with my wife. And I want to sit on a rocking chair on the porch and look at my grandkids and look at my family and say, I finished well. Loving my God, serving the Lord, have done all after having done all to stand, stand. I just want to be a good finisher. I ain't trying to please nobody. I ain't trying to please nobody. I just want to be a good finisher. And you should be, I'll wait while you clap your hands. We should all want to be a good finisher. And may God help us to finish well. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.